any uh, confusion about what you're practicing? No, you got it already. What is uh, what's vexation? What is vexation? Vexation is when somebody attaches to something and, and it causes a, a problem. It keeps reoccurring in mind. So it could be too cold, too hot, too this, too that, too loud. Um, you know, um, I like, I don't like that. Those are vexations that come up in the mind. And they're generally attaching to thought. And um, so they, they affect thought. And when they affect thought, they, um, they generate further vexations because of the preferences you put in. And um, so as you do that, it will come up. They have a kind of like a, a, a music service called Pandora that uh, you, ha you can play music and then you can put like or dislike. And then it'll keep playing music that you like or you dislike or you, that you like. But in this one, vexations, it's like and dislike. So it'll keep playing the same type of music to you. So every time you hear um, a bell, I like. Or every time you have to go to work, I dislike. You're in a car, in a traffic, I dislike. And it keeps playing that because you naturally put your preferences in. So you're voting every moment on on things that sometimes I think I wrote a, an article once calling it being the judge of the world and you become the self-proclaimed judge of the world and it causes you vexations because you're not happy like exactly what temperature is it that is the perfect optimum temperature for you and what is the degrees variance that will cause you discomfort and to some people it may be 78 degrees and 77 or 79 degrees and anything less than that will create a problem. Um, so these are vexations. But if we let them go, we just see things are just the way they are, then they don't bother us any, anymore. And the less the things bother us, the, the better our life is. More importantly, the better life is for the people around us. Because then we're not so annoying. No, because I like, I don't like, I don't want. Drives us crazy, but that's what vexations are. You have any of those? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I have to kind of work a little deeper on this. Now, a vexation. Okay, is it is it like a ruminating mind, or is it like a ruminating mind that gets stuck on something? It just like an annoying mind that just sticks to 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 things, and but it can also be something that's like a heat-seeking missile looking for it itself. So if we are see something, it may like it and dislike it. I like that. I like that person. I don't like that person. But it may also be a searching mind that's searching for something to slap some kind of, a, of an opinion on that it's used to giving. I like, I dislike, I want, I don't want type of thing. So it's not satisfied enough that to, to slap impressions, mental impressions on things that it encounters, it actually goes out and looks for them. Okay? So when you're sitting there and nothing's happening, everything's going well, and then the, 
Vec's mind starts kind of going through, looking, hmm, what can I be, what can I vex? No. Yeah, I remember that, you know, Harry at work, he said that about me. I can't believe he said that to me. What does it have to do with today? But it's looking for something because it's annoying. And, and so it wants to continually be annoying. Why? Because you put it there. You, I'm not saying you, no. but I'm just saying in general. Because you're an annoying person. You like to be annoying. And you, you like to, to it, it, so those things bother you. And when I was young, everything annoyed me, you know. Um, if people asked me how I like children, I said, yeah, boiled, you know. Um, <laughs> old W.C. Fields uh, comeback. But, you know, I was a really annoying person because I was annoyed by everything around me. And I made everything annoying. You know, and, and it's not a really good way to live like that because then people get tired of being around you because you're always that way. But little by little you start realizing that, that you don't have to be that way. That that is a habit. And that you're a dirty habit. You know, sorry, but you guys are. You know, you create yourselves and, and, and have this habit of... of um, creating more and more vexations. So what is the function of self to create vexations? Before, for self-preservation. There it is. Any follow-up? Yeah, go ahead. You know, because I think most of the time the I used to tend to do that name. So when you let me look at my mind, then I got the changing. So that time, should I keep on changing that name? Or just watch it. Okay, I missed that last part. Most of my method is chanting Buddha's name. Chanting Buddha's name. name. Okay. When you let me, let us look at all the mind, then most of the time I'm chanting. <laughs> should I let it go or should I keep on chanting? Yeah, just keep chanting. If that's what you're doing, you can sit there and chant. No, but you chant from your heart. You know, you don't don't say I am chanting. You just the chant is there. Yeah, I definitely chant. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that sometimes most of the time chanting sometimes blind thoughts in out in out. Like you lose the chant and and things come in. Yes, sometimes the last of the chanting saying something in the old thing. I I wash my mind and chant again. <laughs> chanting is kind of like a watto. You 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 try to maintain the staying on the, the method of, of just chanting. Uh -huh. um, but when you chant like that, what you have to do is um, um, make sure that you chant from the heart and you have less likelihood the self will arise. So actually, hold on one second. Let me see if I dig into my bag of tricks here. Well, I'll find something on chanting in a while. Um, any any other questions while I'm looking? Nothing. All right. If I brought it. We have a Tuesday evening chanting group, and I noticed right away when this wandering thought is because I I hit at the wrong time or I hit twice in a row. That's a wandering thought. It's a very visceral outcome of me not being in the moment. It that's funny because. When, when you're chanting, you really have something that you're working on. So I, 
how is it that you're that the the thoughts come up like that? I don't. Uh, I don't know. There they are, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I messed up. <laughs> I, I I hit on the me and the toe instead of the ah and the me. All right. So that's it's like oh oh boy, bring it back to that, and then I I'm good, and then you know if I mess up only once a night, that's a good night. Yep. Um, when you chant, you you have to kind of chant from your heart, not from your mind, and and you have to try to open up as much as you can. So when you're chanting, what you're doing is you're actually um, like it's almost very similar to the Tibetan method of kind of of uh, making a contact with whatever deity that they're they're doing in their higher levels of practice. But you you let's say you. What 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 is your chant that you're doing? Namo what? Namo uh, Amitofo. Namo Amitofo. Sometimes I'm Amitofo, most of the time I do Amitofo. You just go Amitofo, Amitofo. Okay. So then you have to put that you're not separate from um, the Amitofo, the, the the Amitabha Buddha, and you just chant and you open yourself very broad from from the heart. And, and and so it's as if you're manifesting like Amitofo, Amitofo. You know, later on you can go Amitofo, Amitofo. But if you're just going Amitofo, 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 then it's not going to do as much. But you have to make the connection. So you make the connection with the Amitabha Buddha. Wow, so then you Amitofo, Amitofo, Amitofo. Or Namo Amitofo, Namo Amitofo. You know, respect to the Buddha. And you, and you just keep putting your mind on the Buddha, putting it there. Don't don't take the mind off. It's not just saying words. It it's it's like if you the Amitabha Buddha, the Amitabha Buddha is omnipresent. Amitabha. Then the mind is so free, so clear, incredibly clear. It's so expansive, and you, you have this attitude when you chant. Otherwise, what are you chanting? But you're not really doing anything. You're just saying the word. But you have to tune in. Could you tune in a little bit more in detail? I'm sorry? A little bit in detail. How can I tune in? Just tune in. Just imagine the, the Amitabha Buddha. Do you have a picture of the Amitabha Buddha? Imagine the Amitabha Buddha, the, the mind of the Amitabha Buddha, the Buddha mind. Imagine it. Oh, me so, so it's not just going Amitofo, Amitofo, like this, and you have the a, a Buddha. The res the whole idea of the Buddha and the respect for the Buddha is 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 realizing the Buddha mind. Realizing the Buddha mind comes from this realization, not that the Buddha has realized Buddha mind and I'm separate even though you give respect the way you give respect is your own attempt to realize that Buddha mind so you use that in your heart when you chant and so namo guan chin pusa namo guan chin pusa you're using the heart to generate compassion this incredible compassion and so you're you're stirring up this in terms of, of to 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 bring you in a line with the resonance of the Amitabha Buddha or the, or the uh, Guan Ching Pusa.
Just kind of play with that a little bit. So don't worry about yourself coming up. It's natural, it'll come up, but then just go back to your method. Okay? Any other questions? Yes. Had to speak loud. I was just wondering, um, how are these concepts presented to children? Or are they? I mean, I guess it's, you know, people who are, are Buddhists who bring up their children. And at what age or what kinds of concepts do you try when they're still young? Do you know? Or are there places you can look this up? Or are there schools for this kind of thing? There, there are. Unfortunately, that's one thing that, as Buddhists, we're not very good at, you know, where there's Sunday school for kids and catechism for Catholic kids, which I'm not really sure whether that was all that good or not. Um, but uh, we don't have that. But ki kids are actually, it's very good to wire them in really early. And, and it will come back to them later on. They tend to kind of fade out around their teen years, and then they come back. College years, all of a sudden, you know, kids come back to it very quickly if they have a foundation there. But they can understand a lot, and they have a, a creative mind to be able to deal with it. You'd be very, very surprised, you know, how, how young they can, um, they can be and, and um, get an idea of this and use that creativeness to to do it, but you teach everybody, regardless of whatever age, in, a, in accordance with their ability to understand. And um, I like to try to throw that carrot out there a little bit further than what they can understand so that the self doesn't become too comfortable. But with kids, you can, uh, you can uh, use it more in terms of creativity. I once, they, uh, the LA chapter asked me to teach a group of young, young kids how to meditate in a half an hour. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll take a crack at it. I show up, and there's kids from 4 to 18. <laughs> By the time that uh, the half hour was done, there was only one kid that wasn't meditating. And that was one of the young ones, a four-year-old. But everybody else was meditating. And the people were just with their mouths open going, I can't believe this. But what I did was I made it a game. And I made it interesting. And, and um, so that people could see things. And it's like, I would say, okay, sit and, and see what comes up in your mind. I saw a pony, you know, and somebody was talking about a pony and all this other. And so you made it very interesting. And then the people, they, they were able to sit. So, so it can happen, but you have to use expedient means. You have to use ways. When we teach, we try to measure the audience and see who's there and then try to teach in, in, in accordance with them, but not to dumb it down so much that it's just cross your legs and, and put your hands this way and, and follow the method. You want to give them something to work for. So it, it can be done. Okay. Any other questions? Yes. How will you teach people who may have some kind of mental health concerns? Could be depression, could be some kind of schizophrenia, paranoia, or you know, because there's a pattern that these thoughts come repetitively. You know, when you are you have some of those uh, issues. Oh, that's what I was teaching. It's like, 
we ought to a certain extent have that. Mm -hmm. So you help them bridge that. You you teach them in the same way. You teach them in accordance with what they can they can handle. Sometimes you have to be a little bit more mindful, you know, about things because then they start getting paranoid, especially the self, you know, about losing their self. But it, it can be very helpful to people. And you just you open your heart to try to feel from the source of their ailment and you you relate to them uh, instances that they can they can see in themselves so that they, as examples so they can see kind of holding up a mirror but in a very soft and kind way to them so that they can kind of uh, get an idea of the source of, of their the problems it all depends on how bad I mean if you've got somebody that's like like certifiably crazy you're not gonna get too far with them but I mean we've got everybody from there all the way to the people that are in this room you know in terms of a broad spectrum so you you practice you teach in, in accordance with everybody's ability to understand you know sometimes people come into the classes and they're not very stable and you have to be careful and you have to make sure that they don't disrupt your class as well because some of them will do that no, but so you have to use expedient means on how to do that. Okay? All right. Any other questions? Um, we're going to go back to the mind of Chinese Chan for a moment. And um, this is a quote from Hui Ning, again, the Sixth Patriarch. And he's saying, this is his definition of meditation. In our school, which has no barrier and obstruction and is beyond all states of good and bad when thought is not produced this is called sitting when thought is not produced this is called sitting okay now understand when he's saying when thought is not produced he's not saying like what he said before thoughts arise all the time here he's saying his thoughts not produced. Is it inconsistent with what he said before? No. The operative word here is produced. We don't produce future um, um, karma by attaching to what we're, we're, what what is arising in the mind. So it's not produced. So when it's not produced, we're just sitting. Okay, we're on our method. Okay. We're not producing thought. Thought may arise, but we're not producing it. It's just causes and conditions that those things are arising. So the mind is simply reading mind at that moment, but not planting new seeds and not being attaching to things where when we produce thought, that means then the mind is now no longer sitting. It's no longer, uh, you could say, no longer quiet or still. It's moving. Now, in the purest sense, it, it's still still, but for the purposes of practice, it, it, we've moved away from our practice. To reflect on, our, on your original nature without being moved, this is called meditation. To reflect on your original nature without being moved, this is called meditation. So just sitting illumination is just sitting and when you 
when you sit, you're just sitting and and you're enveloped by your original nature or the self-nature of mind. You don't have to do anything. You know that it's there. You know that the self-nature of mind is there and you're you're there. Shifu used to say you're swimming in it all the time. You're just, every day you're like this, swimming, swimming, swimming. Wherever you go, you swim in mind. You swim in your self-nature. There's no place it's not. So you, you reflect upon that. Reflecting meaning contemplate. Contemplate just simply means this is the way it is, the thusness of things. And there is a term called uh, tathagata. I don't know if you've heard that before. Most of you have. Tathagatha is just the thusness or thus come one. The, what is thus come one is, is just your self-nature. And so when it's your self-nature, it's another word for the Buddha, that's your self-nature. This is the way things are. And you see it very clearly. And you see that when you're sitting and thoughts arise, not produce but arise, it's part of your, your self-nature. Why? Because they're naturally appearing in accordance with causes and conditions. If we, you do not attach to those thoughts and produce subsequent thoughts, then one is in contemplation of their self-nature. It's there, it's working, you run the test. Test self-nature, yes, it's working, and you just, you, and it's right there. You don't have to do anything more. Is anybody confused about this definition? No? All right. Now comes your test. This is something that I recently went over with um, uh, my Riverside group, and so anybody who's seen that, you know, no cheating. I don't know if you read this particular one, but uh, in any case, um, we'll, we'll go on. I, I really like this because it fits with what I'm teaching you today. Um, and. Again, this is the attitude one has you know, in terms of our practice. It's called Shui Feng's Achieving the Way. When Shui Feng was traveling to Li Chao with Yen To, they were snowed in on Ao Mountain. Each day, Yen To slept. So just imagine these two, two monks in this little cabin and Yen To was sleeping. And Shui Feng meditated the whole day. So he's meditating. One day Shui Feng called, Brother, brother, please get up. Yen To said, What's the matter? Shui Feng said, How luck, unlucky I am in this life that I travel with a fellow such as you. So he's telling the one that just woke up. Everything you do bothers me. Do nothing, just sleeping. So I think, what do you guys call that up here, cabin fever? Yeah. All you do is sleep. Yento yelled, go to sleep. <laughs> Every day you sit on the bed, just like an idol in an earth god shrine in a small village. Do you, did you hear this lecture? Yeah. Okay. So it's a very interesting because he's talking about an idol in an um, in an earth god shrine village. Some of you maybe that are that are Asian have seen this, and is that in some um, 
some of the communities, they have these little mini temples like this, just little tiny things, and they have this little statue in there of an earth god. And then the people, they, they, uh, they, when they go out to their crops, they give respect to it and maybe leave something for it, a fruit or something. And then they take care of their crops and they hope the earth shrine god will take care of them. So here's this poor tiny little earth shrine god in a little, little hut like this, you know, very small. And um, the, there was a story of, of Master Shen Yang when, when he was building this temple. There was an earth shrine god, a uh, little templeette there. This, they're very, very small. And he um, the, had a conversation with the earth shrine god. And the earth shrine god was very sad. And he said, why are you so sad? He says, I'm very, very sad because you're building such a big, magnificent temple up on the mountain. And then once you do it, everybody's just going to zip by, and then no, no longer anybody's going to give me any kind of uh, respect. You're going to take away all respect, and soon people will forget about me in my little shrine here. So, so the earth shrine god was very, very sad. And so the, um, the Yen To, who was waking up, he called him an earth shrine god, like saying, you know, look at that, you're just like there, like sitting there like that, like doing nothing. And, and yet you, you expect, you, you should have respect because you're just sitting there meditating and, and then you want to command respect from me because you meditate and you think, oh, you know, I should give you all this respect. So, he, so he's, he's calling it the way he sees it. And he says, in the future you will cheat other people. Shui Feng pointed to his breast and he said, I'm not in peace in here. I dare not cheat myself. So what he's saying is, I, I got to keep practicing. I don't want to make a mistake. I dare not cheat myself. Yento said, I thought that you would be an abbot who spread Buddhist teaching on the highest mountain. So I don't know why you speak to, like this. So Yento's already way ahead of him in realizing what he will do in the future. But he's going, but why are you talking this nonsense now? Yento said, oh, excuse me, but he said, but really, I'm not at peace in here. So Yento said, if this is true, try to tell me what you see, and I will certify that which is right and eradicate which is wrong. Shui Feng said, the first time I visited Chan Master Yen Quan, I heard him explain the meaning of the emptiness of matter and I got entrance to the way. Yento responded, you should not talk about it 30 years from now. What is he saying to him? Because he's saying that he, he talked to this master and, and heard him explain the meaning of the emptiness of matter and he got entrance to the way. And Yento is saying, don't talk about this 30 years from now. What, what do you think he's saying to him? This enlightenment at that time, or that entrance to the way, way was really precisely at that moment. And 30 years ago, uh, later, it won't be at the present moment. So it's just a memory, uh, a thought. It won't be okay. the entrance or the Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. Any other comments? Yes. 
You say it wrong. It's a temporary state of mind where the person has realization that you cannot recall it after it has passed. Yeah, you guys could be helping him. That's good. Yeah, you're right. It, this is something that just is, is transitory and it happened. And he's saying, I gained entrance to the way. And so what does the Heart Sutra say? There's no wisdom, nor any attainment, nor any path. There's no path. So he's saying, what you guys are saying, that essentially that, that he, don't talk about this. This is very small. Don't cling to this. This is, this is not something, you know, I could have been a contender. 30 years ago I got entrance and now I can't get anything. He's still clinging to these little small realizations. That's why he would call them this earth shrine god, you know. That's as far as you get to be an earth shrine god. You're not even out of the cycle of samsara. So don't cling to this. This is what this would be your fate. So he goes to the next part. Um, then Shui Feng talked about Tung Shang's poem. Do not seek for it outside. Do not seek for it outside was the part that, that got him. Don't seek for it outside. Yinto said, if it's like this, you have not saved yourself. If it's like this, you have not saved yourself. So he said, don't seek for it outside. What was his mistake clinging to that passage? Come on. Someone told him a story, and then he believed that he Okay, where is the outside? Outside the mind. And what would you respond? I'm cueing you up. <laughs> You're just not taking the button. <laughs> um, there is no inside and outside. It's just in. Mind. Yeah. They're just mind. So when so he began to look for it inside but he's fundamentally in error in terms of how he's looking for it. Even though sometimes we'll say, turn the mind's eye inward, it doesn't mean that one should look out there or look in here rather than there. When we say turn the mind's eye inward, it means do not seek for it in consciousness. You know, look, go to the source. And that source is not inside or outside. So that's why he says, you, um, if you talk in this way, you cannot save yourself. You cannot gain entry in that way. Shui Feng said, later I talked to Teshan. Um, um, oh, later I asked Teshan, what can I do to follow the patriarchs and spread the teachings of the Chan school? So he's asking, how can I help the, uh, you know, pass on the Dharma? Teshan hit me with a stick and said, why are you asking? Uh, at that time, I was like a tub without a bottom. Then Yento yelled, did you not hear that it's not a treasure that comes through the door? So let me repeat that again. So Shui Feng said, later I asked Teshan, what can I do to follow the patriarchs and spread the teachings? And Tashan hit him. Whack! 
So first of all, why did Tashan hit him? <clears throat> he was once again looking for it outside. He was looking for it outside? Okay, anybody else? Why did he hit him? He's already helping. He's already helping? Or, or remember, the little corrections that I will tell you. What can I do to follow the patriarchs? Get rid of the eye. Huh? Get rid of the eye. Get rid of the eye. So he hits them. How can you help with the eye? So, so it's just simply, when one helps, it doesn't come from the eye. It comes from function. Just the mind is naturally in accord with, with what should be there, and then it just does it naturally. So he hit him. So he missed it. And he thought, ah, I got hit. And he, and he mistook a concussion for enlightenment. He must have hit him hard. <laughs> Should have hit him harder. So, um, so that's why then he said when he got hit, it, it was like a tub without a bottom. So what does that mean? When I got hit, it was like a tub without a bottom. Huh? That's what he was saying. There's a an ancient story about a nun that went to a well on a, on a um, a very clear night on a full moon, and she got the water from the well and was walking back, and she looked at the at the uh, the bucket and saw that the moon was illuminated in the bucket, but in that moment the the bottom of the bucket fell out and she became enlightened because everything was there. So he's saying it was like that for me. Really like, ah, and I got it. What do you think? Did he get it? He said um, at that time I was like a tub without a bottom. So his eye was walking around without his bottom. So do you see his problem? Um, and he, he must have been a very skinny person to go through the bucket like that. But he would have gotten stuck, the, bu the bucket would have gotten stuck on his head. He wouldn't have been able to make it through. So, so when he's saying this, he's saying that, that the, the eye was doing that, but he's mimicking it. He doesn't really have it. He's mimicking it, and that's why uh, Yen To said, "Did you not hear that this, it is not a treasure that comes through the door?" So what does he mean by that? It is not a treasure that comes through the door. It's like uh, something that is implanting on you. I mean. He, he's using all those um, uh, examples, uh -huh. thinking that that is what he's experiencing. But these are just like imports, not exactly coming from his own. His, I mean, it's not a function of his mind. It's just importing all this consciousness. Yeah, he did not have a direct experience, 
um, from 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 mind itself. So I, I understand what you're saying, and, and that, that's the the thing is is that he's he's mimicking the things and using all of these things and saying, oh, Deshaun hit me, so I must be enlightened, you know. Um, but if Deshaun could hit him for a hundred years and he still wouldn't get enlightened, the only thing he'd have is is a hundred years worth of lumps. But so. Yanto yells at him to shake him up and say, "Can you not see that this, uh, this, um, what do you say? The treasure. There's not a treasure that comes through the door. So what does that part mean that comes through the door? You're right in what you're saying, but but what, what's he referring to that comes through the door? Separate, you know, oneness versus, you know, two. The idea of That's right. What we've learned today is the mind is fundamentally perfect. It's fundamentally pure. There is no transition. I'm sorry? There is no concept of transition when it comes to mind. That's right. That, that's why the Heart Sutra says, it seems like I'm teaching the Heart Sutra today, um, there is no attainment. Why? Because it's already there. It's already there. We do make the vow, I vow to attain supreme Buddhahood, but in that is that we're, we're, we're doing the things necessary to, to attain that by realizing there's no attainment. And so we know that this mind, the dust in it, the idea of, of grasping at attainment, which is also dust, is not separate from mind. It doesn't come through the door. What door does it come through? What door did the ducks fly out of? They didn't fly out of any door. They're, they're just in mind, right? Just with the dust. All of those things are perfect in their place. And so this again, he's teaching them the right view. And he's missed it. He's been sitting there on this cushion for so long. Like this earth god. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring an earth god shrine thing up here. You know, and then if you sit here like that, I'll put your picture on. So... So you go, oh yeah, he's really, you know, um, like the kind of the turn it a little bit from the Forrest Gump instead of a, he's a running fool, he's a sitting fool, you know, he can sit all day long, but for what purpose, right? All right, so we get to the next part. So Shui Feng went, well, what can I do in the future? He goes, I'm all right, I've exhausted all my little gimmicks. Now what can I do in the future, like? Where do I go from here? And, and again, it's I, I, I. You see, it's very easy to become a, um, a Chan master. Just listen for the eyes or listen for the me's. Me, 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 I, I, I. And then just cut them off at the I and then cut them off at the me. Not bad. It is that simple. It's not hard. All right, so then he goes. Um, Yento answered. In the future, if you wish to spread the great Buddhist teaching, whatever you say must flow out of your mind. Then you can cover heaven and earth. Hearing this, Shui Feng was enlightened. He immediately 
bowed and cried, My brother, today I attain the way on our mountain. So he's telling him it has to flow out of the mind. First of all, when he's saying that, what he's saying is everything's mine. So he's, he's consistent with, with the, the fundamental principle, everything is mine. What's the substance of mine? Mine. So everything flows out of that. It's not something that's coming in. And there's no I there. There's no I. It flows from mine. So when I talk to you and I say that um, in since this morning, whatever I teach, the heart is is that it flows from mine, not from the self, not from Gilbert, but the the sincerity is, is that it's flowing from mine. And when it flows from mine, then the chances of it being correct dharma is is uh, much greater. And and when you hear it this way, it's why I use the examples of the masters because these are things that are readily easy to read and define, but we never seem to penetrate them deep enough because we lack that one fundamental part which he lacked, which was that he was trying to become enlightened. He was trying to clean up the consciousness, clean up the self, and, and make the self all polished up. And he couldn't do it. But from there, going and then allowing things to flow from mind, everything moved perfectly in accordance with what it should be, in harmony with everything around it. That's not bad. And in, in turn, there's a liberation. And, and that liberation then generates the wisdom and compassion to help others. So, uh, any questions about that? Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go back to something I heard once, okay, that kind of impacts, you know, okay. positive conditions which arise to where my mind is right now. But I, um, have you heard of, like, Neil Donald Walsh? Say that again? Neil Donald Walsh or whatever his name is. He's an author. But he, and he wrote a number, he wrote um, uh, uh, Conversations with God or something like that. You know, it's some incredible books. But, uh -huh. but one of the things, I saw him in person once, and, and, and uh, he said, well, you know, there was this question, well, you know, sometimes like he'll write, and then other times he will not write. And um, so someone asked the question, what is it that when you don't write? And he says, well, if I feel even a tinge of, of meaning it, then I stop writing. And um, and that, I think, is kind of what you're getting at, but it's not something that I still, that I really under, you know, understand completely. I mean, I, I recognize me, you know, in certain thoughts, and then I recognize when certain thoughts are not me. And um, <coughs> so, but I don't know if I have a right perception of what is me and what is not me. And so, my idea is kind of, I, I kind of understand this thing where you're, you know, where you have the pot and the dust and you're trying to clear the dust because the dust is the new thoughts. Um, so with that, you know, with my perspective kind of being that, I mean, I can understand how basically what you've been teaching us last night and this morning is, is that, okay, yeah, you know, the me thoughts are kind of there, you just don't, you just, recognize them for what they are and, and let them drop, but they're rather natural to have, right? Yeah. L let me, maybe I can explain it by an example about 
um, walking in Chan, yeah. which is what, what he's doing, is when he's writing in Chan. Mm -hmm. But there's a term called walking in Chan, which means that your mind is in Chan. I was at um, court and um, I was very, um, had a high number in terms for my case to be called. So I started writing a Dharma article. So just writing, 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 page after page after page after page. And then it got to, to uh, 10.30, I'd been writing nonstop for two hours. And, and they kicked us out for the, for the mid-morning break. And so I remember that just simply putting everything away and saying, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. So uh, when I went to the bathroom, there was a mirror there. And I looked in the mirror and went, huh? And I kept looking behind me to see who was behind me. And every time I looked behind me, I got confused because there was nobody there. But when I looked in the mirror, there was somebody there I didn't recognize. It was in my own image. But I, I didn't recognize that person. Because the mind was so engaged in in Chan, it in that moment it didn't it didn't register that was me. And and when you're talking or you're engaged in in some kind of activity and function, there's not the thought of the I. There's no thought of Gilbert. There's no thought of, you know, oh, you're doing a really good job. That's why I always kid by saying that you're doing a fine job, because there's no thought like that. It just is, you know, ask me a question and I'll give you an answer. That's function. You know, call me over here and I will teach. And, but there's no I there to teach. It just simply is, is function. It doesn't have a thought of of self, but it functions perfectly. It functions perfectly because it says the things that need to be said in that very moment. In this moment, by telling you that, I'm not trying to tell you that to say, oh, I was so wonderful or I had this or that. I could care less about that. The only reason I use that is to say that that that's what he was doing when he was writing. When he felt the self coming in, then he wasn't genuine to the writing that was there. So he, he picked that up. He noticed when self was pouring back in. And, and the same thing with, um, with me, the only thing was that when I walked out and went to the bathroom, I, I didn't stop there. There was no there's no Gilbert that followed along. It was still engaged in, in the Chan. It's like the, the, the person who was that way and uh, was at the monastery and practicing, practicing, couldn't get it, couldn't get it. And then he went and he, he went to, to, uh, to splash his face in the river and saw his reflection and became enlightened. What the heck? What's that? And and it's kind of these little things, but that's kind of what, what we're talking about is that Susan doesn't have to be there to get the job done. The body needs to be there and this mouth needs to go up and down, okay? But, but if Susan's there, 
should be wanting to take a break, should be wanting to do this, should be wanting to do that, you know. But if you don't, she's not there, it moves along pretty smooth. Okay, well, let's say something like, I mean, because now I'm not talking about in meditation, you know, because we spend a lot of time. Now I'm talking about in the real world. Sure. Kind of deal. So we'll say that, you know, teaching or um, writing papers or something like that. Now there's, there's going to be, I mean, usually, you know, when I'm teaching, I'm focusing on what I'm teaching. And the things that might, and so basically, I don't think Susan's there at all. I think it's, you know, it's the material I'm teaching me. And so 90% of it is that until I start seeing someone, you know, one of the students who looks like they're maybe not paying attention, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, Susan might arise and, 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 uh, and it's kind of, uh, you know, what's that student doing? And, and I'm annoyed by that student and, and what am I going to do regarding that student, you know, or those students, you know, in some cases. So, so, so basically, um, I, I, that is that is the idea of not Susan and Susan. And I think a lot of times when you're, um, a lot of people say they're in the flow. Wouldn't you say that most of the time when you're in the flow, you're, 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 you are not part of it? You know? Yeah, like let's say if you're doing something and you're writing something, um, even like in my legal work and I'm writing a brief or I'm doing something and I don't have the thought of myself, when myself is there, it's going, let's take a break. You know, let's go here. What's on CNN? There's got to be some news that happened. Oh, there's no news that since the last time you checked five minutes ago. You know, and, you know, it messes everything up. But when you're in the flow, then things move along really, really easily, effortlessly. But the self always comes and messes everything up. It, it wants to change things. It wants to do things. It wants to come up with something different. So so yeah, when you're in the flow, when you're when you're doing things in the right way, then there's there's very little self. And when you have the self, then it's it's difficult to do things because the self keeps slowing you down. But yeah, that it's kind of that kind of an experience. The only trick is just to make that extend that time period out longer in your life. And you can do that. You can still give attention to your mate, give attention to your children or whoever needs to be helped, the student and stuff. You know, it, you're, you're not a zombie, you know, or an automaton, but you're actually much better person and more apt to be able to listen than when you're, um, when you have the self. When you have the self, you tend to have blinders about yourself. You don't really see yourself the way other people see you. You see it in your own image, you know, and you, um, you see yourself in, like, and it's weird, you know, don't look in a mirror. And you look in a mirror and you just go, oh my gosh, really, that's me? I, I really thought I looked different than that. No. I, I mean, I thought I looked like Brad Pitt. <laughs> but I look like the Pitts. You know, and you, and, and you, you have a different image of yourself and how, how you look. But you don't need that. You know, you can still function, I should say, you, sh you, should, you function much, much better. And, and you're a better spouse, you're a better mother, better child, better co-worker, better teacher. All because you don't have the self there. 
by the way, when you have disruptive students, that's why God created erasers. One shot of an eraser on the head does wonders. I actually I had a, a, um, a person in my in one of my classes uh, that was always very disruptive. But every time we go to meditate, within the first minute he'd be snoring. So um, I actually threw a couple of slippers at him, and he didn't snore anymore. But uh, in any case, you know, you do things that you need to do, uh, but you do them not out of hatred or not out of anger, but out of function. So whatever you do, if you need to discipline somebody in that moment, you can exhibit anger, but you don't necessarily have to be angry at that moment. And um, if you do exhibit anger, then you're going to harm somebody and harm yourself as well. But if you have it under control and know that this is an expedient means to get that person's attention, then, it, then it's different. And so you follow this function. And Shifu used to always do that. Shifu could exhibit wonderful, loving kindness, and, and he could also exhibit being very tough on people and very mean to people, or look like was being mean. I remember one nun, she was saying that, that Shifu was giving a lecture on a, on a um, very warm day in, 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 in Taiwan, and he was teaching the nuns, and, and so he said, okay, now you now meditate. So they're meditating, and it was... Uh, uh, a day where the, the window was open, she happened to be there, and and she just, for that moment, just happened to look out the window like that when Shifu was walking by. Shifu saw her looking out the window. You hear clunk, 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 clunk. Came in, whack, 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 and then clunk, 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 and out he went, you know. But she never looked out the window again. So so sometimes we we do that, but not not out of out of anger but to to be um have a discipline and Shifu had uh, told a story about him and and uh, um when he was young very very young as a young monk and, and with one of his um dharma brothers and they were um they had each year for a certain time and they would get a like a sticky rice cake or something along those lines, very, very tasty. But Shifu, he ate his on the day of the festival. But the boy, the other boy, he, he kept his under his pillow, and every day he would unwrap it and take a, a, a taste of it until the master found it. And his master found it. Of course, he threw it away. You know, how many days had it been there? And he threw it away, and he, and he punished the boy. But he punished him because he was attaching to, to this and, and creating a craving. So, so that that boy, when it was gone, would have a terrible craving for that, and and so sometimes you use function to try to do that. But it seems like you're mean, but you're not really mean. You're being kind. Even the same thing. Sometimes when I'm talking to to, to my students or their emails, I might whack them, but I whack them for the reason that that it, they need to to see self arising or the I or the me. You know, and, and this is the way we do it. We do a proper practice. What I try to do is I try to give you as much as I can. And, and forgive me that I feel like you, each time I come here, you get a crash course, and I'm cramming things down. Sometimes I feel like it's like those geese that they put the grain in, and they, they go like this, and they force feed them. I feel like I'm force feeding you, and I'm sorry. 
but I'm trying to give you as much that maybe you can't digest it now, but later on, little by little, you'll be able to digest it. But, but I, I feel that if all I do is I sit here and ring a bell, then I could have phoned that in. So that's why I spend so much time teaching you. I don't have the luxury to come here for a five-day retreat where I can ring the bell and teach you little by little. I have to cram it all in at, at one time. So all of that is dysfunction. And, and you just let the self go and you'll be surprised. You don't need it. You just see it and you just put it on a little raft in the ocean of samadhi and you just, bye, and it's gone. And it doesn't have to, it, it comes back, goes, I'm back, and you just send it out again. And you just keep sending it out. And after a while you realize you don't need it. But mind is, or the self is so clever, it keeps coming back and saying, you need me. You really, really need me. If, if you're, I'm not around, you're going to disappear. No. If you're not around, you disappear. Mind doesn't disappear. You disappear. And you're gone no matter what, I still have my senses. And the senses are able to contemplate without you perfectly. And, and that's right you. You've switched everything so that you're no longer clinging to the consciousness. And that's, that's the important part. So when you sit to meditate, your mind is in what Hui Ning was talking about, this, this stillness of non-productive um, of not uh, not producing thought. That's where you have to be with that. Okay. Any other questions? No questions. <coughs> yeah. Go ahead. We, you know, we um, we tend to have people come and we do five retreats, a ton of illumination retreats. So all of us get to experience some of the illumination and plateau, even though it's not our primary method. Um, so we have a plateau retreat, for example, coming up next month. Yeah, I so saw that. What I'm curious about is. Um, you know, silent illumination versus plateau, as far as what you're talking about, what are the differences? So if we're used to one method and we're going to be doing another method for five days or later on in October, November, you know, silent illumination, what is it, how do you treat that method differently from what we've been focusing on today, which is silent No difference. Um, the thing is, is that what I'm giving you today is a foundation to use the method. The method is the method. But like um, the uh, Master Shen Yun said, is that you need the practice, but you need the principle. And so the principle sets the, the stage for you to practice with. If not, then you're sitting there and you're trying to cultivate consciousness versus cultivate mind. So then when you sit in for sign illumination, then you're no longer trying to make the thoughts disappear. What, you, what disappears is you're clinging to the thoughts. And so when, you, when that disappears, then, then um, everything is illuminated because all thoughts are coming up, they're, they're arising, they're rising, rising, rising. You don't do anything about them. You just know they're there. Mind is aware that they're there and they just go away. But if they arise and you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're trying to boom them out, then you're generating too much effort and the mind is not still. So we develop the idea of the stillness of the mind and then the illumination of it. 
this is side illumination. The Watteau works at it in a hard way or a soft way. If it works at a hard way, essentially it's wallpapering the mind with the Watteau so that self will not arise. And it creates a doubt sensation there that, that just is something that you have to respond, you have to answer, you have to answer until it's resolved. Um, but it's not producing thought. It, the only thought it's producing is the question. And after a while, the question becomes irrelevant because, because it's just constantly being asked, being asked, being asked. But you want, you want to resolve it. Uh, but you're no longer producing clinging thought. You're just because you're just uh, on the one question over and over again, over and over again, until finally that Watteau occupies the mind completely, so no other thought comes in. And then there is a point where the Watteau is resolved, and then after that, you just need to bring up the Watteau, and the mind will come back to a state of before the, the, the question arises. And then later, you only have to go like, like if you're saying, who is reciting the Buddha's name? You just go, who is reciting? Who? And then you're back before it. It's, it's that powerful, but that's the same as side illumination at that point. The mind is, has, has, is no longer producing thought. It is just extremely still, but illuminated. It's illuminated. It's not a knocked out, dead samadhi type of, of, uh, of meditation, but a meditation that, that's very, very um, bright very clear in terms of what's happening. So all of what I'm telling you about is from the, I'm taking the end product and bringing it and going, mm, okay, here it is. This is, this is what you're going to be doing. This is your, your fundamentals that you need, you know, you need this, you need that, you need this, you need these things. And that to set the stage. Once you're on the stage, then you just need your method. But these other things keep you from, from having your mind be confused so that your mind is not trying to go, when is the thought going to stop? Or I'm almost there. And, and, and you're, you're making the mistake that you're practicing consciousness versus bringing the mind to a stillness. That is the principle that you look at the right view that you have. Then when you sit to meditate, you can meditate and you have the confidence of what you're doing. You're not going to go off on a tangent and, and pick up the wrong thing. That's exactly what happened to this, to this uh, person who ultimately became a, a great master. But that's what happened to him was that he missed it and he was constantly trying to polish up the the consciousness and if he doesn't do that then he's okay and and so you have a better chance so all of these things fit in there Watteau is a fantastic method sound illumination is fantastic tomorrow we're going to spend more time on on sound illumination and some of the methods we're going to go into those in more detail today I laid out right view but tomorrow then we get into the stuff and then you're going to look you should not be you should not be on watching the breath if, you, if you're, you've been practicing for a long time. Don't do that. You know, 
Somebody's got to shift you into gear, take you out of that and into silent illumination or a Huato. You know, if you just started off, um, then watching the breath is fine. But at some point, you've got to move into one of these other methods. And uh, I'm going to be working on that more and probably next year I'm going to concentrate a lot. So I'm very happy that people are coming in and teaching these methods. And you should make the shift to them. You had a question. Yeah. The what was the last part? When all the soft stuff, everything is, is just as you mentioned, illuminating is there, and you keep on asking who, 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 or that time all the should you contemplating all this just the mind, it's not real, no self, you should do contemplation on that stage, or should you could uh, should uh, do the illuminating there's nothing to be done but you continue on with a Watteau because a, a person can make um, uh, a thank you very much um, a, a person can make uh, a progress with a Watteau they can even resolve the Watteau but that's your starting off but point. But I never resolve it. I only do illumination there. But I don't know how to resolve it. You'll never know. <laughs> you won't be there when when it's resolved. You won't be there. When it's resolved, it it it's um it's like like a stage being struck after the end of a play and all the scenery drops down. Or, or a, a computer that all of a sudden just goes bloop and everything goes down and then it reboots. You know what a rebooting is in a computer, right? Uh, when a, a computer, like something happens and then it reboots, like it says you want to reboot, and it, and it reboots. Sometimes it might reboot up in safe mode and very little is happening, okay, at that moment. And that's generally kind of like what happens with a Watteau. It, it comes up, and not everything comes up right at that moment. It just is running in a safe mode for a little bit, but then all of a sudden, blick, 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 boom, and everything comes back up again. And the only difference is that the computer's running right. The virus is gone, but everything else in the computer, all the software, all the programs, they're running to their full potential. But everything is, that's why they say, is ordinary and mundane. There may be a time when there's a safe mode where, where it just kind of, everything dips out for a while. But then it comes back up, but when it reboots, everything is running perfectly. It's all the same. I don't care about this. This is a human. I'm not there yet. What I can do is the master. At that moment, what I can do. <laughs> Don't abandon the method. Stay with the method. You stay with the method until you can't go any further. When you get there, the only thing I could say would be it's 
analogous that of climbing up Mount Everest. <clears throat> and each step is difficult. Even to take the next step, what, like, who, and you're trying to take the next step and the next step, but it's difficult because, because with each step, to, you have to remember to move your feet. You have to remember you have a method. You can't abandon the method. If oh. you abandon the method, then you've blown it. It's like, well, I almost made it to Mount Everest. <laughs> you know, I was just that close, but then I forgot. Oh, I forgot I was walking up Mount Everest. And so I started walking down. And then it stopped. So you have to keep the method, keep the method, keep the method, keep the method. And then when you get, then I shouldn't say when you, when the method all of a sudden, boom, something will happen. Who knows what will happen? Okay. okay. And that movement, only method, not the contemplation. Just now you talked about all this mind game, this kind of thing. And what about it? Not contemplate about the mind. All here is my mind. I know. That time is not the complainant. Not the complainant impermanent. Not the contemplation. Uh, not definite. Only do the method. You only stay with the method. Everything else, all the right view, everything else, they're just booster rockets to get you into orbit. They're, they're, they will not deliver you. They're just, they're like booster rockets. You know like the space shuttle, when it goes into orbit, it has these rockets that take it up in, into the space and then they, they're jettisoned. And then the, the shuttle keeps going on its own. And, and so all of the training, everything is that way. Even the method is the last thing. The met, but you don't eject the method. The method just dies out on its own. You go boop, 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 and then it's done. And then lo and behold, you're in space. But you you have to hold on to the method. You have to hold on to it, hold on to it. You never abandon it. Never abandon it. You have to make, and it's difficult because it's difficult to call up the method because the method becomes so thick. The mind becomes so thick. So so enveloped in the Watteau, it's difficult, but you have to keep bringing it up, 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 and, and then, uh, it, I, the only way I can explain it is that it becomes very, very thick, and, and, and to try to bring the method up is hard, and, um, but at some point the method will, will resolve, and when everything reboots, you no longer have the idea of the right view from reading it, it's perfectly clear. All of the contradictions you have would be resolved at that moment. They, everything, oh, that's it. There it is right there. And it would be that way. But you, you don't abandon it. You just keep it all the way through. There's no point where you go, okay, I'm here now. If you're there, you know, Go and see the master and he'll slap you. Okay. And he'll tell you, go practice some more. <laughs> all right. Okay. Because we've all been there and done that. I mean, I've been there myself where I'm going, this must be it, you know. <laughs> like you're floating around. This must be it. I've got it. I've got it now. I'm going over to see Master Shenyang. Ta-da. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... So, you know, that that's the thing. I remember 
people would do silly things with Master Xian Yang. One lady, she was, they were walking, doing walking meditation on a slope, and she rolled down the hill like that, ah, like, like on, like on the side, like a kid, and and she wanted to say, say, Shifu, I'm enlightened. <laughs> Going back to your childhood is not enlightenment. Uh, and one person came up to Shifu, and and they were supposed to be inside practicing, and he comes up to Shifu and he has his cushion, and he's like this, and, and Shifu goes, "What are you doing out here?" He goes, "Here." He goes, "What do you mean here? Here?" He says, "He said you said give our body to the cushion, so I did. Here's my body." Mm-hmm. Shifu says, "Very interesting. Go back inside, you know." And because we all want to try to certify this kind of enlightenment, but we're really good at self-certifying. And you have to be careful about that. You know, you should not be have so much interest in that as much as the interest in the actual practice and let the practice take care of it. And when the practice takes care of it, it things will change, you know, in terms of your experiences. And... Um, there was once a, a long story, but I'll, I'll cut to the chase. Where, where I had been practicing, and and had been working with a lot too. And at one point, I just said, no matter what happens, no matter who says what or who says anything, I have no interest in any kind of certification or any anything. You know, the it. I don't know how to say it. It, it just clear in that moment. Everything was just clear. Then somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, Shifu wants to talk to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that way. And and it's mind to mind. And and when those things happen, you the you is not really there. And and you see it and you, you see how how ridiculous you've been all the way through the whole process. And and um, but it's something that you you just have to try your hardest to stay with the method. Don't be thinking about about what you want to do and what you don't want to do. So there was a time when there was a book that was written called Chan Comes West, and they wanted people, they, they wanted Shifu's uh, disciples to write their experiences of what had happened to them. And I, um, I was temporarily included in the book until the editor of the book says, you didn't write anything about your experiences. All you wrote was, you just taught the Dharma. Ta-da. Yeah, that's my experience. You know, what a great opportunity to teach Dharma. People are going to read it and it's going to help them. What about my experiences? My experiences matter nothing. I, I don't want people to try if I said something, oh, it was so fun, and then I became light, and I had this beautiful light that was shining around me, and I went to talk to Guan Xin Pusa, you know, um, then people will, will try to imitate that. Why do, I, why do I want people to try to imitate something, some, some experience that may or may not be any experience? It was better for me to do it that way. So then they said, well, you... Um, you have to write something about your experience. So I just said naively, okay, when I talk, I, I, I don't have a thought. Horror, how can you do that? That's awful. 
How can you possibly do that? You cannot do that, you know. And they they were rebuking me for for I'm not going to go into all the detail, but I was sufficiently rebuked and ostracized because I said that. And the time when Shifu tapped me on the shoulder and I explained that all to him, um, he said, I believe you because that's the way I teach. And that's the way you teach. That's the way you, you do it, is you don't have a thought. But to somebody who's outside of that, it doesn't make any sense. My only error was I was saying that, but I was saying it innocently because to me it's nothing special and it's still nothing special. It's absolutely nothing special. I, I don't care, you know, if people will say, oh, that's horrible, he's saying those types of things. I don't care because nothing of it is special. Everything is mundane. And when you get through the whole thing, you find out how mundane and you just laugh. You laugh about it because it's so mundane. And, and, and you start realizing, this is easy. Chan's easy. Dying is hard. Chan's easy. Um, I, I think, who was it that there was a, um, oh, I forgot. But, it, but anyway, you have to just put your mind on the practice. Don't try to set your mind on the results. The results will take care of them. And, and they, they will, in some way, sorely disappoint your creative imagination. Yeah. The end of July, I then go to New York to do the RC, do the trip again. But the retreat is interesting. We are allowed to do any kind of method. And at that time, I have a hard time. Which method should I use? Because now I know you told us don't put the breath in. Okay, put the breath in, and I turn aside. So should I do Huato, or should I do Muzo, or should I take him or should I do all of them? I. I think you need to pick one. Yeah, I know, you, but I don't know really which one. Then if you already have recitation and you have the experience with the recitation, so you should use the Watteau because it, it'll be an easier transition for you. I think that if you use sun illumination, you'll be watching too many movies. <laughs> so you're better to have something to work with. Oh, you know. yeah, yeah. You know, so. Sometimes the dog, there's dogs and they, they can just sit there, and the other dogs need to be chewing, you know, and they always need to be chewing, and you need to be chewing all the time, and, but, so you should use that to your advantage. You're a good chewer, and actually the the Huato method they they call it um, um, a dog uh, chewing cotton. Because it's always just young, chewing, 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 chewing. And so the thing is, is that when you chew, because I recently corrected one of my, my students, because uh, he's a Dharma teacher as well, because he said he was just chewing cotton. And I told him, oh, but you're like, like cold stone and dry wood. Because he, he was so much into the Watteau, he didn't see clearly, okay, you still have to, 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 to teach and, and and maintain principle, but the thing is, is that it, it's just a chewing on the on the Huateau. chewing, 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 and you'll be good at that. Okay, so that one definitely will will be of, of benefit to you, and um, so you'll you'll do well. No, but you should be using 
Chan methods, strictly Chan methods to help you um, because they work, they're good. You'll have a better chance using a Huato or using Silumination to, to uh, realize original nature than you will with watching the breath. Watching the breath, you can do it, but you'd have to really almost like study the Abhidharma or really work in that very, very heavily to be able to get there with, with just watching the breath. It, it, because, because you have to really develop even stronger principle for entry with that. Watto, you wouldn't need it. Yeah, go ahead. So, watching the breath is kind of, I think, good for the first few minutes of starting selling illumination, right? I mean, it, it kind of helps to, okay. Well, mind. you can make a segue. Some people make a segue of watching the breath yeah. to, to go into sun illumination. Just to kind of calm themselves down, and and then and then they take the pacifier out, and then they go, okay, I'm ready to go. But at your level, you should be good to go right from the beginning. <laughs> you can do it. I know you can do it. You know, especially these guys. You should be able to just just when you sit down, you should be ready to go and pick up the method right then and there. And you pick up, you sit down. And you're there, boom. And you right from the very beginning, because we are very funny when we sit to meditate. We try to stage ourselves and and think we need this, we need that. Do I need a pack of cigarettes? Did I forget this? Did I bring this with me? Should I put this down? Should I put that down? No, let's not think about that. We need to the practice. We got this, all these, and we run through all these systems checks for the first minute to 30 minutes and then we decide okay it's time for our method and then we got to get up you should get have a proper attitude when you sit to meditate whether you're a beginner or a journeyman or an adept practitioner that when you get that and approach that cushion and that seat touches down you're good to go in that moment you're ready and you you develop a good habit of getting into your method right then. Okay, if you need to adjust yourself as you're doing it, you're still already on your method, and you do that so that you don't you don't develop a bad habit of of uh, using pre-method techniques to get you there. You know, and, and what happens is right from the beginning you've got that method. To me at this point I can get into Samadhi very very quickly and and generally if if, if I'm by myself or something boom I'm in it it's just that quickly that you, you get in into it because I've learned okay I'll use the right attitude I'm gonna sit I know what the method is and then you have to be clear about what the method is so you're clear about it. you know what the method is how the method works, what you're doing, then you sit. And then right away the method is there. It's not like, you know, you get into the car and you start thinking, okay, I'm kind of get ready to drive the car, I'm exercise, you know, and do all these things before you do it. Most people just get in the car, I'm late, I gotta get to work, boom, and you're off. Okay, well, with a method, you, or with a meditation, you just kind of approach a cushion, sit down, you're ready to go. 
and make it that way every single time. You're 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 there and you're you're going, and and so so what happens is that you it kind of forces you to bring up and know what your method is. A lot of times what we do, especially with slide illumination, is we sit down and we kind of rummage for a while and then try to find the method. And we're looking for the method. And this can be watching the breath too. We kind of like, okay, I'm watching the breath. I'm watching TV. I'm watching what happened at work. I'm watching the breath. And you're, and you're trying to, to um, tune the channel in. And it's not so easy, right? Has that happened to a few of you? you? You don't quite get it right in the beginning. But if you sit with the right conviction, that first breath should be watching the breath. And, and at least give yourself a chance to start right from the beginning with the proper method. And then after that, you know, things, the wheels start coming off, but at least it gives you a chance to do it. So the most important thing is that you should know what your method is. You should be clear about it. If you're watching the breath, do you really know what watching the breath is? Are you clear about the method? Are you clear about sign illumination? Are you on sign illumination? What, what are you doing? Watto. Huh? Watto? Okay, what's your Watto? Who is the master? Who is the master? Who is the master? Okay. And so when you, when you have it, you should be clear and see Watteau is a lot easier because when you pick up a Watteau there should be no reason why you can't pick it up right away it should be there boom so you hit with the you hit the Watteau and you've got it already running and it'll work so so when you pick up the Watteau boom easy so illumination is a little bit different are you using some illumination so there's times when you kind of mm -hmm. like have to rummage or get it going or do you sit right away and, mm -hmm. and get it it's best right at the beginning all right, that's that's the right way to do it. So so whenever you have your method, you you as soon as you sit, boom, you're on the method, and it only gets better from there. It only gets better. So you start with give yourself a chance to to get a running start on it, and then then the wheels start coming off, and then you just bring it back. But at least you have your benchmark. And and so. And sound illumination, because it's a method of no method, you go, well, then what the heck are you doing? So what do you do <laughs> with sound illumination? What, what do you do yeah. when, uh, you're, when you start with the wheels fall off, you're saying? No, what is your method? I mean, wh mm -hmm. what, what, what's happening when you're in sound illumination? I'm just fully aware of my presence, not trying to add anything to validate the experience in any way. Who is experiencing it? That's not the question. He has the question. He's at the Watteau. <laughs> That's his problem. Huh? <laughs> That's his problem. That's his problem. I'm asking you, you know, in terms of sound illumination, are we clear about it? Are we really, really clear about what our method is? And I'm picking on you, but, but I know you can, you know, you can handle it, but the thing is, is that, are we clear about what, what side illumination is? No, and it's difficult because since it's a method of no method, when we, when we use side illumination, we, 
we have the samadhi experience of not having continuous thought, not attaching to thought. But then there has to be the illumination of what what is there in mind. So mind will produce all sorts of thoughts or come up, but then we have to cease that production by not attaching to them, so then they dissipate. But the mind, little by little, begin, begins to become very, very expansive. And and becomes aware without you going, I'm expanding. That would be unified mind. But you have to let go of the idea of a unified mind, but just simply allow the mind to be very, very expansive and not interfere in any way if it wants to spread out. And little by little it just begins to spread out. Yeah? I use um, counting breaths. Uh-huh. And I mean, I do want to move on eventually, but I don't know what method to choose. Yeah, I think because you're a beginner, one of the things I would suggest that you do, when you were at that retreat, were they using a particular method? No. No? I was using counting the breath. I was, um, I can pick up right away with the method at this point. Okay, so what I would suggest that you do is if you have a chance to be able to go to this, uh, it's a five-day Watto? Yeah, actually it's two-day, three-day, one-day, five-day, whatever you really want to make it. Is that what Goshen Fashe? Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. Who? 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 And it's a, um, he's a monk, not a nun. It's a nun? Okay. All right. So then what I suggest, uh, and they're going to have English translation? Yes, basically. There, there will also will be videos uh, for uh, Oshibu's talk. But yeah, that, that might be a good, she, she said she's most comfortable with quite well. You can try both, and, and, um, and then decide which one. In the beginning, that's where you are. For you, you shouldn't be jumping from one to another. Now you know what they are. You should stay with one. So you should just stay with a Watteau if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, stay with a Watteau because that's what you're going to do. And then, and, and then Susan, you, need to, you already have experience, so you pick one and you stay with it. I, you, I okay. I, I pick. It's just that you know, when someone comes to visit, Yeah. So and there's nothing wrong with doing that so you get experience in it so you know both both of the systems but then you pick one that you can use that you feel comfortable with and then do it but I really want you to kind of uh, get more um, adept and, and, and move along to the better better methods in terms of consistent with Chan training um, and so when you're doing it you, you have these methods and using them in the right way, and um, uh, with the right view, especially the um, sun illumination, it will help a lot tremendously, because then you you understand you're not going to be deceived along the way as to what what what's happening with that. Okay, we'll take a break.